0: Welcome to Battleground, Wisconsin. This is uh, Robert Craig, Executive Director of Citizen Action of Wisconsin. And our usual host, Matt Brusky, our Deputy Director, is out of town this week. But we have two special guests. We have in the studio, the Citizen Action Studio, Senator Chris Larson. Chris, thanks for joining us.
1: Yeah, I was glad to be here.
0: And we have on the phone to talk about our first big topic on Battleground, Wisconsin this week. Uh, State Representative Jonathan Brostoff. Jonathan, thanks for joining us again. What up? There There you have it. And, you know, Jonathan's known for a lot of things. But one of the things he's known about is being immediately out of the box on the Foxconn deal. And there's been a lot of reporting recently this week, last week, about the status of the Foxconn deal. Uh, may not all be new, but it's cataloging the situation and how dire it is in many ways. And so we want to go through that. And uh, we're going to walk through it with Jonathan, with State Representative Frostoff, and with Chris, uh, Senator Larson. Uh, now, as you both know, this all started as a very splashy announcement with President Trump and with Scott Walker. And uh, President Trump said that this was part of his law, his successful effort to... Onboard manufacturing, re-import manufacturing back in the United States, right? I guess resource instead of outsource. And he has continued to say they're great folks and to promote it. And we know that it was, for Scott Walker, supposed to be uh, the heart of his economic platform for re-election, which really didn't work out, knock on wood. Uh, but we're stuck with it. And, in fact, in the lame duck session, they set it up, the uh, outgoing legislature and Governor Walker, so that the... Governor Walker's chief economic development leader, the CEO of WEDEC. Mark Hogan is still in the saddle working with Foxconn and assuring us that all is well. So why don't we start with, and this has been known by a lot of people, but one big thing is there, was, there seemed to be an announcement and, uh, that Foxconn was leaving and not going to do the plan at all, and there were leaks that were in Asian business journals, not the Milwaukee media, and Wisconsin media, which is partly why I think the Wisconsin media is trying to catch up now with its uh, quote-unquote investigative reporting. Then there were denials, and even the Evers administration said they talked to the Foxconn folks and things were still on track. But even before all of that, Jonathan— there was a change in the original plan about what was being manufactured, right? So can you talk a little bit about that uh, for our listeners?
2: Sure. I mean, you know, initially there was this talk about huge screens that were going to be like nothing we've ever seen. They wine and dine some of the uh, local corrupt politicians, took them out to Asia, you know, flew them all around, said this is the future, this is what we're going to be doing, Be just like what they're doing in you know, Japan and these huge tech giants. And we're gonna bring this to Wisconsin. Why? Because Wisconsin's got the best workers in the world and we love your workers. And we know you grow a bunch of great ginseng and we love your ginseng and we love cheese and you grow the cheese. We love the packers and you got the packers and so we're gonna operate in Wisconsin because of all these great things. And you know basically it was it was the flattering before the shattering. You know, they said that they were going to bring all this stuff in. They were going to make these huge leaps in technology right here and it was going to be some Star Trek-type stuff. When it turns out, you know, they kept scaling it down. It's like, oh, actually, it's going to be 26-inch screens that you could have gotten at Walmart 10 years ago. Uh, and then they kept scaling it down, kept scaling it down. And I was like, well, we're actually not going to do any sort of manufacturing uh, because the cost of labor in Wisconsin is just too expensive. We didn't realize that it's actually cheaper for our labor in shenzhen or in other parts of the world so we're, we're actually going to not be able to do this but we'll still do something maybe then trump gets on the line and says hey i have an election coming up i made a big uh, show about this i came to wisconsin i said this is the biggest you know, the ninth wonder of the world, the 20th wonder of the world, this is the biggest thing ever, and I need you to hold tight until my election. Don't do me like you did Walker. You know, wait, and, and we're going to win this thing with the Midwest, with Wisconsin being on the side that did this. And if you don't, probably the conversation went, I'm going to threaten the heck out of you with incredible tariffs, which is why you opened the plant in the first place. So you better lie and say something's coming they walked it back, but now all the analysts, all the, you know, all the information on this, all the experts are saying, uh, there's no way they can deliver. Um, so they're just keeping cropping up these empty storefronts all over, such as the one in Sender Larson and mine's district, uh, so, right downtown in Milwaukee. So yeah. And Chris can probably speak to that. So right.
0: Jonathan, just to be clear, it was going to be a, just to elaborate, what you said, you said it was very clear, but I'm going to even elaborate further. <laughs> uh, Generation 10.5 was the original manufacturing plant, and now it's a Generation 6, which analysts say if it happens, which is doubtful, it's half the jobs. And the analysts you were talking about are saying – some of them are saying there's a zero chance they're even going to do a Generation 6 plant – some people, the most rosy analysts say it's 50-50. There's a Generation 6 plant, and that's at most half the jobs. I, and and Senator Larson, is that your understanding as well, if we're yeah. talking about the current Generation 6 proposal, which itself seems uncredible?
1: Yeah, I mean, if you, if you go to this, uh, this story that I know Jonathan posted, I posted uh, from the journal Sentinel, uh, they actually have a copy of the contract that was pushed by Wiedek and signed by Walker and uh, Gao, and it says right there, on the first page, uh, gen, Generation 10.5 TFT LCD fabrication facility. That's what they had in the contract. So I think as much as there is a lot of smoke and a lot of distraction about what's happening with Foxconn, it's clear they are already in violation of the contract and that they are not even talking about following through on that now, and we have but,
0: speculated on battleground wisconsin that that's yeah. partly the reason for the lame duck because now you have someone who won't enforce the contract in charge until the fall that for is the ceo months, yeah. of WeDeck, mark hogan
1: yeah i think that 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 appears to be right given his quote in this story saying oh i have all the confidences that they're going to follow through and that we have a and he's using the line where they say pay per performance which is not true uh right now you have the county of kenosha uh and the local city that is out uh 700 million plus dollars so they don't
0: get that back
1: they right? yeah they get it back the same way if you lend 700 million dollars to a friend and he wrote you a, a guarantee iou that you will get it back that's that's the guarantee that they've got they say oh no we've got a We've got a contract, but Foxconn pulls out, they pull out, and the locals are going to have to pay that up to infinity to now, make a n-
0: difference. Now, my, it's some references in the article, maybe you, Senator, or Representative Brostoff knows of this, say that the ta- state taxpayers become liable at some point. Is that a scenario where? Racine and uh, Mount Pleasant literally default because they can't have no way to fund any of this? Is that what we're talking about, probably?
1: Yeah, I mean, at some point, that may be where we end up, where they are not, where their bond rating goes to the toilet and they're not able to do anything locally and the state's going to have to be able to step in to fill that up. And
0: where will Scott Walker be and Mark Hogan
1: be when that happens? Yeah, he'll be on, right, be on exactly. speaking, speaking tour somewhere. <laughs> and that's, so yeah, yeah, yeah. they said 10.5. Then they said Gen Six. We're going to do Gen Six, and now the the, the latest right. story is saying, uh, you know, industry analysts are saying that's highly unlikely, as you pointed out. And I think they said less than a ten percent chance uh, from the head of a global technology research. Uh, group saying that this is this is highly unlikely, but as Jonathan pointed right. out, they're still doing these storefront charades where they're trying to make it seem like they have a presence. Almost on cue, there was a story that popped up this morning of saying, "Oh, there might be a storefront popping up right on Madison." Uh, right on Capitol Square, you know, just to be able to put that logo right in front of lawmakers' faces to make it look like they're actually doing something. So it, that's on top of Green Bay. That's on top of Milwaukee. In
0: Tsarist Russia, it was called a Potemkin village, right? Yeah. It's a fake village to convince people that Russian peasants are prosperous. Jonathan, they've claimed there was some change in the market, right? That's one thing right. here that it, it, you, this used to be marketable. So let's talk about, has because uh, there's a glut in the market, has there been any major unforeseen, you call it a black swan, change in the market that neither Walker, Trump, or Foxconn could have anticipated?
2: That There's a bunch of red herrings they've thrown out. That's one. No, of course not. But that's, that's just one of the excuses they're using to try to buy back some of the political uh, blowback that's coming in. You know, we saw this. The indicators were there And every single other project like this. We've seen exactly the same sort of shenanigans, and we had the red flag set up from the jump. You know, this was already written in a way that, uh, you know, the initial contract had a bunch of red flags. The way that the uh, oversight of this was going to be done had a bunch of red flags. Even having the idea of WEDEC, which is one of the most corrupt, scandal-ridden agencies in Wisconsin's history, which has had... Turnover over, turnover, over turnover because of its corruption and because of the incompetence who can't handle deals of a couple hundred thousand being in charge of something like this and saying in front of committee when asked by Representative Stuck directly that they cannot they cannot verify the jobs numbers directly. There were so many red flags. But again, this was what happened when we had extreme gerrymandering, when we had unlimited campaign funds, and when we basically had Republican led corrupt wisconsin government able to force it down our throats and also you have to, have to understand remember the timing of this how much opportunity was there for public hearings on this how much opportunity was there for uh lawmakers to even review the legislation before there was a vote on it how I much waited uh, almost, opportunity was there to get the fiscal back
0: i waited almost nine hours to testify at the only hearing so we, we right that exactly. happened in shotgun fashion and, and not
2: only that Right, and they and they tried to pay off this, you know. They had you remember they had this extreme right wing, quote unquote, economist who came out with this justification of it that this would be a big force multiplier. And then he even had to redact it, saying, "Oh yeah, actually, the numbers I came out weren't true." But you know, it's like they, they they strained and strained and couldn't find anything to justify this. And they wouldn't wait for the fiscal analysis to come back properly. They rushed everything through. Why? Because they knew it was junk from the jump. But they got paid what well, we got played. That was the whole plan. They were just trying to force it through because they knew if there were critical eyes paid, uh, visit, you know, that got to pay visit upon this, uh, it, it would be a done deal. They they wouldn't be able to go through with it. So they had to force it through. It's the Midwest Firefest all over again. It's all sizzle no steak, and now we're starting to we're starting to pay the piper on it. We have hundreds of millions of dollars that are going to be lost on this. And to Chris's point, to Senator license point, even. Moody's weighed in on this, right? They warned them, right? You remember that? Right.
0: And they're not, you know, these actuarial forms aren't exactly, have a great reputation. So we're going to have to have another segment on this because I want to know about where Corning fits in, what the freaking mm-hmm. motive of Foxconn is, all sorts of other stuff, and also uh, figure out what is Tony Evers' position and the administration's position on this. So uh, we'll, we'll come right back with or Chris Larson and Representative Jonathan Brostoff on Battleground Wisconsin. Welcome back, everyone, on Battleground Wisconsin. This is Robert Craig, Executive Director of Citizen Action of Wisconsin, and we're joined by, with special guests, two of them, actually, State Senator Chris Larson and State Representative Jonathan Brostoff. And we just were talking about the Foxconn mess, which I've speculated on television. It might be good if it, better for the state if it stops, if it just, if the plug gets pulled. But both uh, Senator Larson and Representative Brostoff were pointing out that uh, taxpayers are already on the hook for a huge amount, for at least eight hundred million in spending in local in local money that they're not going to have if there's no plant. Right. But I want to get to. We talked about uh, the the early warning sign when the uh, it was it moved from the plant that's in the contract, a generation ten point five manufacturing campus, which is for very very big screens. Um, and then the switch to a Gen Six, which is not nearly as productive, and probably itself won't happen, and doesn't produce nearly as many jobs, and is more your garden variety. Uh, I think Jonathan was saying flat, uh, flat screen sizes that aren't even big anymore by what you when you walk into the Best Buy. So one of the other things that we didn't touch on, I want to just touch on briefly, is. It looks like Foxconn was counting on yet another Foxconn-like deal to even move forward on the 10.5 generation plant. And that was Corning, that all of a sudden after Walker had cut the biggest state investment, uh, direct investment in a foreign company in U.S. history, that all of a sudden there would to be another one for Corning, a glass manufacturer. uh, Jonathan or Chris, do you want to say a little about that?
1: Yeah, I would say that I think the um having talked to the folks who know Foxconn best and who know this industry best, I, I always flash back to this conversation I had with a uh uh Asian market market reporter uh, in the midst of this and sh- you know she kind of you know she she was kind of trying to explain all the background on what Terry Gao does what Foxconn does what this company is like and the thing that i keep coming back to is once they sign the memorandum of understanding right or they get things that it seems like ah yes there's an agreement and you're supposed to start building and supposed to start doing stuff that's usually the cue for them to ask for more right that is the basement that is not the ceiling that is not the agreement that is the 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 that is where they're just going to start asking for more and more and more. And
0: famously, uh, I would say infamously, wa- the, the original negotiation, Walker wrote down a number on right. a little piece of paper and slid it over to Terry Gow, right. and then he nodded and smiled. Right, right.
1: Yeah. right. And they are, and they they continue to scratch for more. If you look at the contract, it says... Uh, the numbers, they have no job minimum. They have no investment minimum from Foxconn. It is so up to. So why does it is up e. to, Mark Hogan fantastic.
0: and the Republicans keep saying it's pay to play and that we don't lose a dime if they don't produce the jobs?
1: I mean, I think they have their talking point, yeah. right? I think they have their talking point that they're clinging to and hoping that it's true and hoping that people actually don't scratch below the surface and understand that this is, that we got conned, that we are a pawn in a larger game. And so when you look at what happened with, with Corning, when you look at what happened with other businesses, even completely unrelated to Foxconn, they look at what happened here and they say, oh, these are the kind of deals that you're handing out. We would love that, too. Well, you know, so you have businesses across the state raising their hand, looking to be able to get access to this stuff. You know, uh, of course, Kimberly Clark was the, the first one to, to give this a go after netting uh, millions of dollars in uh, corporate profits after the Trump tax cut And they uh, took that to, to invest
0: line. in downsizing They right? did, exactly yeah. and
1: they said we need to downsize not because there's market demand not because they were uncompetitive not because they were no longer profitable it was because they could get even more money by closing down a plant and, and could bid up those their stock price
0: away. and take their stock options because right. that's everything is what Wall Street wants now not anything productive for the economy Right, right,
1: right. and that's exactly there was no exactly right there was Know uh, and they still closed the plant. Even getting where, where Walker is one of his last acts as governor, which is appropriate, was to unilaterally use Weeda to give them a payout. And it just shows that there is, if you're rewarding the worst behavior, then expect the behavior to just get worse by businesses. And that's that's the danger of Foxconn's legacy. You know, there is, I think, as as far as what Tony Evers should do, what we should do as a state is make sure that they're held accountable for violating the contract. But make sure that we have clear eyes going forward and that we set a standard for businesses that we are going to expect you to invest in our citizens, invest in our state, respect our state. And uh, we'll invest in, in those companies that do that. But for those that are looking to just take advantage and reap everything that they can without giving back long term. Then we have to turn the page on them and say, you know what, we're going to invest in those because then those businesses, once they see that that's where we're investing, other businesses will line up because they know that's where the incentives are. And we've
0: talked a direct $4 billion investment in things like healthcare, education, renewable right. energy, conservation would net 80 to 100,000 jobs. And right. so this was a bad deal if you believe the terms of the deal. I want to delve into what is Foxconn's motive. Maybe I'll ask each of you to go consecutively. Um, there's there's been a lot of speculation, but get your senses. Both of you have tracked this very carefully, and then when we finish that, I want to I want to have time to to, to try to figure out if we can read where the Evers administration is and all this because they didn't do this, but they've been handed it. So, Jonathan, what do you think Foxconn's motives are here?
2: I, I think that they have a couple uh a couple motives but the main one was when this whole business started there was a gamble that they made but it wasn't really a gamble it was that they wanted to uh, predict a potential escalating trade war with china and they needed a u.s base of operations so that they didn't get hit hard enough to really impact uh, their business in a significant manner given that we are still a, a huge consumer in the global market uh, for the product that they produce and a trade war of that nature would um, impact them uh, pretty pretty significantly. So they wanted to have a base of operations here. So they said, well, we don't actually want to pay for this, so let's find some someone to take advantage of some – some local government that we can trick because now we're living in such an age of corruption and corporate blackmail that extreme corporate welfare is not only possible, but expected for a deal like this. So we'll find someone who's got an election coming up. We'll make some backroom deals and then we'll have this big announcement. Uh, oh, by the way, Paul Ryan is down there. Right. By the way, uh, this is a battleground state for Trump. Right. Perfect. So they came to Wisconsin they made this napkin negotiation or whatever with, uh, you know, the, the ex-governor.
0: And with the great economic leaders of the state of Wisconsin, because all the major business leaders that you see quoted in the press all the time all lined up and testified it's great and continue to provide cover to it. So all the great business exactly. people and negotiators that allegedly run the Wisconsin economy. So let me, let, me, exactly. let me bump it to Chris, but Jonathan, I hear you saying, tell me if I'm wrong, that uh, part of it is a short-term gambit concerning Trump and his economic policies, like a fallback well, almost. In other words—
2: it's, we, that Except, except, it's, it, except it's, it, it would be a gambit if they had to pony up for it, but they actually didn't end up really paying anything for it. We paid for mm-hmm. it, so we covered—so it's like they went to the casino, you know, for, you know bet big, one big— but had the casino—but, you know, someone spotted all their—like, we paid for all their gambling. They right. didn't even have to put any skin in the game, so it's even worse than that.
0: So, but their projections—remember, the deal only makes even remote sense after 35 years, so that was pretty foolhardy on the part of people like the head of the Milwaukee Metropolitan Area of Commerce, Tim Sheehy, and all those people they are supposed to know better and were supposed to listen to on economic issues. Chris, do you have mm-hmm. any additional thoughts on motive—
2: yeah,
1: I mean I think that there's a um I think this is it's it's not it's not enough to just f- focus on Foxconn and of itself but I think it's it's worth in uh, looking at this as a pattern. Um I think that what they really expected was for Foxconn and Terry Gow to uh and their 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 group to be able to chip in a bunch of campaign cash. A lot of this isn't done, mm-hmm. you know, with thinking like ah yes, they'll 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 invest in our state, they'll do this. Like there there is an outside investment that they expected for them to be able to make to make sure that scott walker would be able to and hold with dark on to his money office. we
0: have no idea how much foxconn gave him for his real life we can only spent record amounts
1: right we can only speculate he exactly walker spent record amounts republicans spent record amounts it wasn't enough the people of wisconsin came out they voted for democrats up and down the ballot uh huge turnout and uh it but it, it was a similar model to what they did uh, four years back when they pushed for a mining law. Mm-hmm. They wanted a change in our law to be able to put up a big iron mine up in the north of the state and saying oh, our laws are untenable. And the if you actually looked at the laws, you looked at the science behind it, said, yeah, you can go ahead and build a mine, but you have to respect our state, you have to respect the land, you have to respect the farmers, you can't just go about doing this on your own. That wasn't enough for them. And they blasted through this law change. And at the end of it, we t- it turned out we found out there was one. They decided not to build the mine, but they were able to get everything that they had. And through the exposure of uh, a check, it turned out that, yes, the company that was asking for this, big Taconite, wrote a big fat check to be able to get this law through. And I think, you know, if, if maybe years down the road we'll discover that there was an internal so, contribution from Foxconn So
0: to, to put a fine point on it, what Satter Larson is saying, Uh, Fox And what what Brostoff said, Foxconn had an interest. It certainly wasn't in creating jobs in Wisconsin. Walker was shaking them down as well. They're shaking each other down, right? But Walker wasn't shaking them down for jobs here. He's shaking them down for a re-election issue and then for campaign cash. And the only people unrepresented because an actual legitimate Democrat government wasn't involved was the actual economic interests of the people of the state of Wisconsin. Yeah, not so, at the table, not at the table. Not and the again, table. on
1: that one too, there is no iron mine in the north of the state. So. And the
0: business right. leaves of the state are naked because they because the major ones all freaking are still yeah. carrying water for this. Yeah. So I want to, we're going to carry this into the next segment. We're going to take a break on Battleground Wisconsin, but we're going to talk a little bit about the administration, what they're left with, and what we can speculate their position might actually be on. Okay, welcome back to Battleground, Wisconsin. We're actually delving deep into the Foxconn scandal, or the Foxconn con, whatever you want to call it, with State Senator Chris Larson and, uh, and uh, State Representative uh, Jonathan Brostoff. This is Robert Craig, Executive Director of Citizen Action Wisconsin. We've gone through what's going on, how unlikely the plant is, how taxpayers and workers and local governments are being left on the hook for this. Uh, We talked about motive and how basically the only people who were absent, as Senator Larson put it, in terms of the actual deal were the actual workers and the people of Wisconsin, that Foxconn benefited and Walker benefited, both in terms of having an economic win. Same with Trump. Trump is in the same camp and probably leveraging a whole lot of secret dark money campaign cash that we'll find out about later. But we're left with that we have a new governor. He did not create this mess, Mm -hmm. right? But you have this contract in place. And it's a pretty careful, moderate administration. I mean, Robin Voss can say whatever he wants. This is The socialists have not taken power in the East Wing of the state capitol, okay, with the Evers administration. Not uh, just a the fact. They wouldn't call themselves socialists either. So this is not an insult. It's a fair description mm-hmm. that they are that they are moderate, pragmatic folks in the East Wing, for the most part. And that's where the governor's office is, for, so everyone knows. So do we know—let me start with Rep. Brostoff what Evers's public position is right now and i guess then the next speculation we'll go back let's just start with that and then we can talk about what it might become or what it should be but let's start with what do we know uh representative about what the evers position on foxconn is now
2: first of all we have recognized it's still fairly early in the administration there's still jobs being filled there's a couple other factors going on and it's it's kind of hard to get um, all the info about something like this when there's so much else happening. So I haven't had uh, time to sit down with their policy people and really hammer this out um, because we're just getting waylaid with mostly the budget but all these other things as well. But my understanding is currently uh, they are kind of just waiting to see how things play out, and they're having some internal negotiations with wedic but they're in such a tough position because, one, they got this mess inherited from the previous administration they had no role in. Two, it all blew up after... Well, it started blowing up during the election, really, but it all kind of blew up afterwards. And now the all the Republicans who not only put this in place, but also uh, now that it's it's gone to you know, garbage, have taken the power away from the Evers administration to uh, put the screws to it and to really uh, uh, offer some more modes of accountability, are trying to blame the Evers administration, even though they weren't even in place when they voted on this. And they took more power away from the Evers administration for accountability towards it. So at this point, I think they're just kind of lying in the cut and and waiting to see uh, what can be done. But um, it's been from my take uh, fairly passive so far um but again they don't they don't have as many tools as they would have without the lame duck power grab to actually act on this because of uh, the actions taken by Voss and others
0: Senator Larson is that your your take yeah. as well pretty much
1: Yeah I mean they put the the Republicans uh, instead of accepting the losses of them being their, them and their ideas being rejected in the last election they used the lame duck session a month later to say uh, let's delay on, uh, WEDIC, which is the Wisconsin Economic Development Corporation. That's a corrupt agency that is pseudo public private, where you can't actually get the open books on what they do. They can't ad- account for jobs created so much as they talk about jobs impacted, which is a fantastic term. Every time you buy a cup of coffee, you influence, uh, every job that's you in there. you just and, impacted right, employment impacted. at citizen national, Wisconsin <laughs> it's, it's, with it's your
0: right. $20 donation. Exactly. Larson.
1: Exactly. Yes. The wave just <laughs> cascades with the economy. Uh, and so that's, they decided to protect the scandal agency of Wedick for nine months with the intention of you know, trying to—I think at that point they probably knew you know the, the, just the slow-motion disaster that was Foxconn. So yeah, they're, uh, like I, I said earlier, I think their best position is to be able to hold Wedick or hold uh, Foxconn to the account, uh, to the contract that they sign. And if they don't, uh, he needs to nudge the attorney general to make sure they're following through on them. Um, and then, the most important thing is is moving forward and, and learning the lessons of Foxconn, which is you, you shouldn 't invest in companies that aren 't invested in Wisconsin we
0: also have a state treasurer now who can who wants to use the office to try to do things like hold a foxconn accountable there 's one thing that is budget. budget 's not been framed as a Foxconn provision, but it affects the Foxconn deal dramatically, and that is the capping of the manufacturing agriculture tax credit at three hundred thousand yeah. dollars. That, that before all the manufacturing of Foxconn was going to be tax-free, if that got through and the Chamber of Commerce, WMC, is whining and the Republicans are saying, never, we're going to raise taxes on middle-class people who make more than $300,000 a year, <laughs> the $300,000 thing is to get around their, their silly argument that the whole thing's about small farmers, right? You're not a small farmer if you pay over $300,000 in taxes, okay? And so that actually is a way that you might actually be more of a tax credit, not a direct subsidy.
1: Right. Right. And right now, that's exactly what it is, is they've 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 been able to wipe out most of their tax liability that these businesses have. So, yeah, that is that is a, a cornerstone of what Evers is looking to balance the budget of being able to repeal what some of the biggest giveaways for some of the richest people in our state has been over the last eight years, where they can pull in all this money and then not have to pay their fair share to keep the state running. Uh, I think that's wrong, and I think it's it was right of Governor Evers to uh, put that forward. Um, and hopefully that's that's one of the pieces that uh, that gets through.
0: So before we before we finish the Foxconn discussion and uh, and, and and bid adieu to Representative Brastoff, uh, can each of you predict where we're going to be in a year? In other words, in a year we're having battleground Wisconsin. Will Foxconn still be pretending to be built? Will it be all gone and, and all of the crash and burn has actually occurred? Or some other scenario I'm not thinking about? So whichever of you feels readiest to answer first, uh, this is like your, your just gut reaction to where we'll be in a year.
2: Sure. I think, well, I think a year is... is so first off, let me just uh, qualify that by saying there's already a significant amount of crashing and burning that's been done, not only the hundreds of millions of dollars that are being taken out of there, not only the redirection of our education systems to uh, meet mm-hmm. a promise that will never be fulfilled, but also the displacement of folks who had their homes taken away for this, who you know were, were put out because of this, and for what. So I, I just want to um, make sure that that's covered as well. As far as where we're going to be a year from now, I think they're going to keep... You know, I think they're just going to keep playing, you know, playing this game, keep pretending, keep lying, keep lying until Trump loses uh, and until the, uh, you know, until the, the um, kind of uh, workaround for the tariffs are no longer needed. So once Trump is out of office, my prediction is this is just going to be a ghost town, the company's going to be off the hook, the community is going to be on the hook, and we're going to be paying for this for generations to come. Um, and it was all for one photo op for a failed gubernatorial candidate and you know AI, you know, one of the most corrupt presidents we've ever had in history. So it's uh, my okay,
0: favorite. so two more years of this dance is what Representative Brostoff is saying, which is fascinating and I think ha- has a lot of credibility. but otherwise, Trump needs it alive for his reelect, and so it keeps limping along. At the current level is what Representative Brostoff is saying until until he's out of office. Senator Larson, what are your thoughts?
1: I mean, I, I think that's fairly that's fairly accurate. I think we're going to continue to see the the a new season of the same show. Uh, which is we will get glimpses of reality from uh, Asian market conversations where they look at this and they know that this is not where the future is going, and then uh, once local reporters pick up on that and realize, wait a second, foxconn 's not going to be building the the plant that they promised, and they keep downgrading it. Uh, you keep getting this whiplash reaction, which is Foxconn uh, working in, into a, a tizzy, trying to make it seem like, oh, no, we actually are, right? I think the last time this happened was like a month ago where they, where it was realized, no, they're they not going to be able to uh, do manufacturing in Wisconsin. And then all of a sudden it was supposed to be remedied by a single phone call by Donald Trump with no details of what was moving forward after that, but we were all supposed to be somehow comforted by Donald Trump. Uh, making a phone call to Terry Gow. Uh, so I think that's, I think, I think uh, J- Representative Brostoff is, is, is spot on correct that that, that charade is going to continue. And I would say that the other thing that we're seeing is also going to continue, which is uh, the blame game. of of Foxconn and the Republicans who came up with this horrible deal trying to figure out ways to splatter the blame on everybody but themselves, right, Uh, for Foxconn. I mean, they did this after they pulled out of a plant in Pennsylvania. They said, ah, if only that election had gone differently. So that's the real problem.
0: Those would be the principled leaders taking responsibility for their decisions. And they're not— I mean, their right. rap is Voss and Fitzgerald. Oh, that whole economic climate change, right? Yeah, right. we're not as open for bribery anymore, right? And uh, but we're already the marks, right? Because you used the mining example, Senator right. Larson. So right. this is extraction, and it's extraction by by a multinational corporation, and it's extraction by Walker and his machine and conservatives right. trying to extract for their own benefit money out of the state and the people left like, the marks the people left holding the bag or the people of Wisconsin especially the people in Racine and unfortunately especially a lot of local officials who got on board with this project and are destroying the economic prospects as a result by giving it uh, uh, of their area by h- helping giving cover t- to this scam
2: right i just want to say one last thing which is and we've about really we've have, we have about 30 that...
0: seconds Jonathan, so do it quick
2: okay Real quick, I talked to Brusky about this. I really hope someone is willing to do an in-depth journalistic uh, expose and documentary and miniseries about what happened here. Because the world needs to learn the lesson from one of the biggest scams in corporate extortion history that happened right here in Wisconsin, the Midwest Firefest, the Foxconn. And anyone listening out there who's got connects, please Please, please, look at Netflix, Hulu, HBO, whoever on it. Let's let the world know what happened here.
0: Great idea, Representative, and thank you for joining us, Representative Brostoff, Battleground, Wisconsin. My we'll pleasure. be back with Senator Larson for one more segment after the break. Welcome back to Battleground, Wisconsin. This is Robert Craig, Executive Director of Citizen Action. I am a... Uh, Uh, Subbing for our usual host, Matt Brusky, Deputy Director of Citizen Action, who is on a a very brief vacation. Uh, But we've we've had State Representative Jonathan Brostoff in the previous segments talking about Foxconn. So if you want to know everything about Foxconn, go back and listen to the podcast of this show. Uh, Mm -hmm. But otherwise, we have a couple other topics to address with our special guest, State Senator Chris Larson.
1: Hey, happy to be here.
0: Yep. So here we go, Chris, where there's going to be a little more rapid than our Foxconn deep dive. Uh, Governor Evers did a number of things in his budget. We want to call out the things he did to try to enfranchise folks. Yeah. So he did a lot around IDs and voting. One of the big things he did was to in, uh, increase hours for early voting. I think the biggest thing that hasn't got enough attention is automatic voter registration, which in the 21st century makes sense. Yeah, it, it, We get kind of used to things as normal, setter where we think that because you have to go some rigmarole to do something, that that's just the way it should work. In the modern data era, there's really no reason to have a separate voter registration process unless you actually want to depress voting. I mean, we know everything about people. We know who is a legal residence of the state. We know when they go and sign up for things, when they get a home mortgage, when they pay their property taxes, etc., Um, We know a lot about them. We can automatically register people and therefore be much easier to vote. And we tried to do this back in 2009, 2010. And uh, we got Governor Doyle. We got the state assembly, as I recall. We couldn't get the Democrats in the state Senate to do it. So now we're back. And then there are other changes as well that maybe you want to also delve into, Senator.
1: Yeah, just to make clear, I wasn't there then, so I don't... Uh, <laughs> Senator Larson, del- are you a the youngest member between... of the
0: state Senate or the second yeah, youngest? Yeah, the, the youngest.
1: youngest uh, right. I was second youngest, but then Caleb uh, Caleb, Caleb was uh, was beaten. He moved on to being uh, workforce development. Um, so, yeah, anyways, do we... Uh, we would be happy to have this, and I can say with, with certainty that all of the Democrats, uh, Senate and Assembly, were standing and cheering Governor Evers when he proposed this in his budget address a week ago uh, to have automatic voter registration. Um, it's, it just makes sense to move into the modern era to make sure that the franchise of being able to elect your officials is as easy as technology allows, right? You can do these checks. Let's do it. Let's make... Uh, voting as easy as possible for, for all of our neighbors. But, of course, there's, uh, with a lot of the proposals, you looked at the other side of the aisle, and there I don't know if the speakers weren't on on that side of the room or they were just listening to a different speech or not paying attention, but none of them stood up. Uh, none of them even, even uh, it, you know, their, their two hands never met each other for most of the speech. They just kind of sat there and, and took it in. Uh, getting people to vote was another one of those where you would think, oh well, yeah, everybody agrees, right? We're all American, you know. That's that's part of what we exercise here, uh, but no. And I actually had a, a constituent comment on uh, online saying that that sent chills down his spine because it, it displayed exactly where they are on this. Um, that doesn't preclude us from pushing forward, and it doesn't preclude Governor Evers from using executive, an executive order like he did on Monday uh, to making it easy as possible for people to be able to get the needed IDs through the DMV and to do everything they can to facilitate this.
0: So to actually, if we're going to have that be the place where people get the right to vote, yeah. to actually extend their hours... Allow you to do it online, make it easier. Rather than try, because if you were really trying to encourage people to vote, you would make it easy to vote, right, and right. not create unnecessary barriers. The Walker administration did the opposite. So this is such right. common sense. I'm sure the legislature majority will still oppose it, right?
1: Right. Yeah. Uh-huh. I mean, and it shows their hand of the, that. This isn't just a oh gosh, isn't that upsetting that the DMV is giving out the wrong information despite the law saying they had to give out this information and uh despite the court understaffed
0: right and and they just dumped this on them the walker folks because they didn't want it to work well
1: right right and there was no there definitely wasn't an incentive right if you remember there was a court case that came forward that said and this was actually right before the election where they they were they were going to void the voter uh requirement to have an id uh, but they decided instead to order the DMV to give out the legal information that they were supposed to do uh, to begin with. I think in in hindsight, had that court order been to say, uh, let's remove the arbitrary and useless requirement to have a special ID in order to vote, uh, the outcome would have been different because it, more legitimate voters wouldn't have been turned away at the polls. Because there was, a was
0: no case. Right. There was no... Uh, uh, identity impersonation voter fraud that would be caught by this ID process right. and the right wing judges prove themselves to be politicians in robes when, when there's no legitimate government incentive or interest in doing it based right. on any actual evidence they upheld it anyway Right. right, which tells right. you that they're they're, they're not uh, strict interpret uh, constitutional interpretation inter- uh, constitutionalist of anything right. other than modern right wing ideology.
1: Right, despite the right to vote being enshrined in the U.S. Constitution, it's a it, and it, in the
0: Wisconsin state constitution right. even more clearly. Right, the right to vote could be clearer in the U.S. Constitution, though it it's bizarre. We have a democracy where it's not as clear as apparently the right to carry around uh, tanks and AK-47.
1: Uh, right, you know, uh, automatic weapons. Right, right, uh, but this is a this is one where it and for those who 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 may accidentally roll onto the wrong radio dial and listen to talk radio about what this is, there there is no widespread widespread voter fraud. There is virtually
0: none of the there, kind there that there this isn't. would catch. Virtually none.
1: Right. It is. It is. This is something that has specifically been outlined just to add a useless and unnecessary hurdle for people to vote in and hopes
0: it, that. Yeah. Uh, based on evidence that people who would tend to vote for democrats will vote less
1: yeah yeah, and so I mean that was evidenced by what happened at the DMV, whether whether through lack of training or maliciousness, you know, people who didn't have the right thing were saying you don't have the right the right documents. And
0: Milwaukee turnout was down enough yeah. in 16, the first rollout of this, right, to actually have caused Trump to win Wisconsin. So right. this has just a little consequences for the future of the country and the that's world, that. right?
1: That. I think that's important because a lot of people look at Wisconsin kind of cross-eyed right now for the since since it went for Trump, but it went it is embarrassing. It went within the margin. Of of a very small margin of people right the same margin that voted for third party the same margin of people who probably were turned away right from getting a proper identification uh so it it, this these small things they make a difference because we have a first past the uh past the line system where all the electoral votes where the winner wins once they beat the other person there is no prize for second place in Wisconsin.
0: And the Citizen Action One Wisconsin now Institute lawsuit is still live and that not only preserved early voting and the judge uh, review re- re- you know revoked the lame duck session restriction on early voting but it includes photo ID. Right. So that is still a live case and it's at the federal appeals court level right now and may end up at the US Supreme Court. There's another major ID issue that the right-wing talk shows, aforementioned by you, Senator, are frothing about, and that is IDs for immigrants, which a number of states have done. And look, we have a lot of folks here. They're working. It was economic policy of this country to attract an immigrant workforce, and these folks came for more opportunity and are working here, and it's pretty un- darn unsafe if, if they have to drive illegally when in, when we don't have great mass transit in this state, and they're going to need to drive in order to continue raising their families and, and doing doing the hard work they're doing to try to rise up the economic ladder.
1: Yeah, and just to be clear, this is separate from what would be allowed to vote. This would be something that would make sure that people who are Uh, who are aspiring Americans who are here in our state looking to work, looking to raise a family, uh, and are not able to navigate the immigration system because it's broken, because it needs a federal update, and because we have federal officials who would rather scapegoat than solve the problem, uh, that folks who are here who, by the way, are the bedrock of our dairy industry, are the bedrock of our restaurant industry, and the bedrock of uh working people that they have the ability to get a driver's license so that then they can get insurance and then then uh, we have safer roads as a result of it this is something by the way this is again these ids would not be eligible to be used for voting it is a hundred percent to be able to make sure that the roads are safer for us and that uh, we have these that that we have folks who can get uh, insurance this is that is what this is about and that's why uh, the governor proposed this. Um, it's something that, that, and just to be clear, there's a, a tendency to try and throw this as being a uh, a democratic idea. The biggest group that is pushing for this right now in the state of Wisconsin is the Farmers Union. The farmers are looking for this because they are having trouble making sure that they can tend to their fields to make sure that they are finding the workers that are in in, in hard demand to milk all uh, it, those cows right. and
0: make all that cheese that wisconsin 's famous for right right
1: exactly and and uh, when you hear the stories coming from these individuals, they point out that this is that they are losing fields that they are not able to find those workers since the scapegoating that is happening at the national level since the uh, the, 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 the way that they're going after. Um, our, our immigrant neighbors, this is something to make sure that they can say, okay, you, you have an ID, they feel at least more secure to be able to come and work and, and do the jobs that, that we that we need them to.
0: And this is, and we have time to get into it, but this is the, the Trump-like attacks are continuing. Uh, Senator Larson brought to our attention at break uh, a, a bill by Nas and Spiros <laughs> to literally punish any local governments that attempt to not enforce ICE uh, detainers and to hold them liable for any crime that yeah. might be committed, which, of course, is a canard because they uh, people who are not documented produced, uh, commit crimes at a much lower rate than the existing citizen population. Yeah. Uh, but as we close, two quick shout-outs. One is... Citizen Action Wisconsin will be, we'll be shameless promoters here. Hey. Has launched a new website, heartlandwisconsin.org. We'll provide the link on the Citizen Action Wisconsin, Battleground Wisconsin uh, part of the website. But it is to reach out to rural voters who we absolutely need to be part of the progressive coalition to fight back Trump. The other big shout-out is to the Wisconsin State AFL-CIO and our good friend, President Stephanie Bloomingdale, because the state budget includes repealing right-to-work and restoring prevailing wage, a minimum salary requirement for public-funded yes, construction yes. projects. And so kudos to the labor movement and the state AFL-CIO for that. Okay. And with that, I want to thank Representative Brostoff for joining us earlier for the Foxconn segments and our very good friend and co-op member, uh, State Senator Chris Larson for joining us for the whole the whole program. Thank you very much, Senator. Anytime,
1: thank
0: you. Until next week, we'll see you back on Battleground Wisconsin.